to the Be About Being Better podcast, where we help people make evidence-based, sustainable, small changes for their health that compounded the huge shifts towards a better, more vibrant life. I'm your host, Abby Stacier, a health and life coach, future registered dietitian, a master's graduate from Columbia University, and a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I believe that we can't make lasting or meaningful change single-handedly. So I'm so happy that you're here so that together you can see that a diet-free, sustainable lifestyle is possible. And you can leverage that to live a better life. And remember my disclaimer, this podcast is meant to give you general information and it's not meant to substitute or replace medical advice, a diagnosis, or service treatment. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Be About Being Better podcast. Y'all, I'm so excited for today's topic. Today, we are talking about intuitive eating, and we're going to be talking about all the basics. So this is really Intuitive Eating 101. This is one of our most highly requested topics for the show. People want to know, about what is intuitive eating? How do you implement it? So where did it even stem from? Is this intuitive eating? Is this not? So we'll kind of talk about all of those things and break up a lot of misconceptions and then make this really actionable. If you want to start healing your relationship with food, if you want to get away from dieting, how do we start incorporating some of these intuitive eating principles into our practice that we can feel better about how we eat? And that it doesn't have to be so hard and we don't need to be tracking every calorie, but also how do we balance that? How do we make it not so much of a free for all where we're just screw it. I'll just eat everything. And that makes us feel guilty when we're just binging on more calorie dense foods all the time. How do we start to have a balance with these things? And I introduced this concept in episode two, where we were talking about the different health tips for busy high achievers. So if you haven't listened to that, that episode, definitely go back and listen to that and you'll get other tips in there too. But one of the tips that I provided is that you really need to start healing your relationship with food. And the way that we do that is through intuitive eating. I just finished up my intuitive eating counselor certification and I am obsessed with it. And it was so great learning about intuitive eating. I you know, before the certification and during the certification, because I was already coaching people through these things and through the principles of intuitive eating, even before I had the framework for it, which is really great and re really reassuring to hear. Um, so if you've been through our programs in the past, uh, these things will probably sound similar and you'll be proud of yourself that you are not starting from ground zero when it comes to this. So as I go through the different principles of what makes up intuitive eating, even if you haven't been through our programs before, I know that you're not starting from ground zero when it comes to healthy living and your relationship with food. You are doing some things right. And we have such a negativity bias naturally, and we want to fix things, especially if you're gravitating towards this show, I'm sure you want to be about being better and strive for a higher level of success. But I also want you to recognize that you are not broken. You do not need to be fixed. You are doing a lot of things right. So as I'm going through this, I want you to also be congratulating yourself and recognizing, acknowledging yourself. What are you already doing well when it comes to your relationship with food and your eating. And then you can also think about, here's a few areas that I think I could improve on. And here's where I'd like to start. I'd like to start incorporating this principle, but I'm already doing this well. So I'm gonna challenge you to think about both those things. What am I already doing well? 
and what is an opportunity for growth for me, not just focusing on what can I improve on or the opportunities for growth. We want to think of the positive as well. So a little bit about intuitive eating's background. Intuitive eating, why I love it is because it was developed by registered dietitians and it is an evidence-based model. There have been so many hundreds of studies that are published showing its effectiveness in healing people's relationship with food and a wide variety of other positive health outcomes. And we'll get into those, but I love that it was developed by two registered dietitians, Evelyn Tribal and Elise Reich in 1995, the year I was born. Hey, y'all. Um, and intuitive eating is defined as a personal process that honors your health by listening to your body's cues and not just listening for your body's cues, but responding to your body's cues as well. Cause a lot of you can sense when you're hungry and when your stomach is growling and screaming at you, but you're not responding. You're choosing not to eat. And some of you might even be like feeling empty or hungry and you're starving and you're happy about it. Cause you're like, Oh, it's, you know, and nothing tastes as good as skinny feels and stuff like that. It's like, wait, that might be a little bit of a red flag of if you, if you believe that or get excited when you're hungry, right? So it's like, sometimes we hear these biological cues and our body is telling us something, but we're not responding or we're not responding in a way that is out of care, love and respect for yourself. So that this is the essence of intuitive eating, that you are in tune with your body's cues. And then you're taking that one step further. You are responding to those direct messages to meet your body's needs. And you're responding in a way that's what you know these two registered dietitians say is rooted in dignity. It's rooted in self-care. It's rooted in respect for yourself. And just coming at your approach for eating and living through this lens of care, love, and respect for yourself. It's comprised of 10 different principles that work to either increase your interceptive awareness. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Basically, in, interceptive awareness is when you're in tune with, your, with yourself, in tune with your body's cues. So the principles either help to increase your awareness of yourself, or it helps to remove any obstacles that would prevent you from feeling in tune with your body's cues, with your body's sensations. It is not about weight loss. Intuitive eating is not about losing weight or changing your body in any way. So it's a weight neutral, weight inclusive model for eating. And it's very health at every size aligned. And it's, it's really evidence-based. There's a lot of studies out there that, um, that, that support this. And I'd also like to note that intuitive eating tends to be used interchangeably with mindful eating or flexible control eating or balanced way of eating. And it's, it's a little different than that. Intuitive eating is more than mindful eating. Intuitive eating is similar to mindful eating in the sense that you honor your body's biological cues, you are not judgmental towards yourself, and with mindful eating and intuitive eating, both of these models believe that you have an inner wisdom, that your body is sending you cues and has this kind of inner sense that you can listen to. But the difference is with intuitive eating, it really takes it one step further to really reject dieting because you could be mindfully eating three strawberries a day or an almond. I'm sure a lot of us have like an almond mom. That's just, you know, just eating an almond. 
So you could be mindfully eating that, but you might not be meeting your body's needs, right? You might still be rooted in diet culture. So with intuitive eating, we are very actively rejecting dieting. We are challenging food rules, either that society is, is setting or rules that we're setting around our eating. It also includes, even though it's intuitive eating, it also includes an exercise and movement component so that you're approaching exercise through this lens of care, love, and respect for yourself. And you're not exercising just for the sole purpose of changing your body, making your body smaller or burning off calories or, or making room for more food later, earning calories. So intuitive eating also has this movement component as well. And it also has a component for how to approach nutrition instead of we're getting away from dieting and getting away from all these food rules, how do we approach eating? So it introduces this concept of gentle nutrition, that we just need to be eating more gently, not having these super harsh and super aggressive diets or food plans. So overall, mindful eating is more of a skill set. Mindful eating is a part of intuitive eating that you need to be mindful and aware as you are eating. So it's a skill where intuitive eating is more of a self-care eating framework. How do you approach living in your health overall, not just when you're eating? So I hope that makes sense that intuitive eating is really going a step further. And there's a lot of science behind intuitive eating. Intuitive eating, there's hundreds of studies that have shown that it decreases binge eating. It decreases this thin idealization that we, we're striving for thinness. It increases your body appreciation, body trust. It will help you to enjoy eating. It will help increase your self-esteem, your well-being, decrease disordered eating patterns. Um, it will increase your optimism. It will help you to cope better. A lot of people cope with their emotions through food. So intuitive eating helps to increase proactive coping. You'll not just be coping better and coping with your emotions outside of food and from a place of kindness, but you'll be proactively taking care of yourself. It improves your quality of life overall. And what they're finding is that intuitive eating over time increases food variety. It increases fruit and vegetable intake. It decreases your triglycerides. It, it increases your glycemic control, your blood sugar. It increases your HDL, your quote unquote good cholesterol. So we're seeing that it's not just increasing your well-being and your confidence and your body image and body appreciation and your thoughts about yourself, but it's also changing how you eat in a sense where you are adding more food variety and you're having better health outcomes as far as your blood work, which is amazing. And it's, it's nothing about losing weight or gaining weight. Some people even gain weight by doing intuitive eating. Your body is going to do whatever you're nourishing your body in a way that, that it needs. You're listening to your body's cues. You're letting your body be the compass and you're fueling yourself in a way that is meeting your body's needs. Oh, it, it's so amazing. So it's great to see that, you know, I think one of the misconceptions about intuitive eating is that because part of it is that we make all foods available and we'll get into all the principles, but we're not restricting our food intake in any way. So you can have ice cream, you can have pizza, you can have a cupcake. A lot of people take that to mean like, oh, it's just a free for all. You can eat whatever junk you want. And that's it. It's like, no, but if you, you, the principles have to come together. So yes, we might be making all foods available. We're not restricting ourselves, but we're also pairing that with listening to 
our fullness cues and respecting our fullness cues. Once you, of course, learn intuitive eating and become more of an expert in this and get better at it, you listen to your body's fullness cues and you don't let yourself go overboard. It actually decreases binge eating episodes and overdoing it. And you start to want a variety because you, you know, if you just eat cake all the time, it's like, yeah, that's great that you can allow yourself to eat cake, but eventually you're going to start craving something different. And you'll actually, if through intuitive eating, be in tune with what you are craving and start to choose those things. So that's where the food variety comes in because your body doesn't want cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. It doesn't want that. So if you're really in tune with yourself, you will start to see what what you're actually craving and you'll increase your food variety. So this is why I love intuitive eating because all of the principles that are coming together make sense that we're fueling ourselves in a way that we're meeting our body's needs. We're making all foods available. We're not restricting ourselves, And then we end up naturally finding a balanced way of eating. Now, what I will say is that as we are healing our relationship with even diving into intuitive eating, you might still have binge episodes. You might still overeat. And that's okay because you're navigating the process. The difference here is you're going to be changing how you approach those episodes. It's not that you're failing your diet. It ends up being feedback for yourself. It's like, okay, well, why did I overeat? Was I coping with an emotion when I really want to be coping with kindness instead? Or was it that I wasn't listening and wasn't respecting my fullness cues, right? So it can give you a lot of feedback on how to course correct in the future to become a better intuitive eater. It's a process as you're healing relationship with food. So you got to be non-judgmental in the process as you're navigating this. And I assume if you're listening to this episode, you want to heal your relationship with food. So you got to be, you got to give yourself grace in the process and you have to give it time. You got to be patient. Another thing I'll say about this is that it may require more personalized support and, and more coaching. And this is exactly what we do in our programs is, you know, you start one of our programs, you fill out an assessment. I see what your eating behaviors and eating patterns are, what your beliefs are about health and eating, what's typical for you. And then we work together for you personally, how do we heal your relationship with food to get you to a place where you're meeting your needs without restricting yourself, without dieting, and you're in tune with your body's cues and you're responding in that way through care, love, and respect for yourself. So this is something that we work on on an individual basis with clients and you might need that level of support. So if that's you and you're like, you already know, okay, I'm going to need some help with this uh, because this all sounds great, but I'm not sure how to implement it, or I can't trust myself to implement it. Uh, Cause I know I'll need some extra accountability or that personalization. Definitely go to the show notes and take my quiz, see which one of our health coaching programs can be for you. Uh, but definitely take my quiz. That would be the best place to start. All right. So let's dive into the actual principles. What are the 10 principles that make up intuitive eating? Number one, we have to reject the diet mentality. This has to come first. We, we have to get away from get fit quick solutions. They don't work. And actually dieting is the biggest predictor of weight gain. We talked about this in, in the keto episode. Uh, so go back to, to episode four and listen to that. I talk about a lot of research that supports that dieting does not work over the long term. So we need to get away from dieting mindset and you have to be focused less on weight loss and changing your body and just making yourself thinner, but think about how can I be 
healthy? How can I have a lifestyle that I can actually sustain and maintain over the long term? So we first need to reject the diet mentality. Then principle number two, we need to start honoring our hunger. Y'all, if you are waiting until your stomach growls to eat, I'm going to be honest, you're waiting too long. That's when your body's screaming at you. When your stomach is growling, you have already missed so many other signs that are more subtle that your body was hungry when your body was whispering to you. But now your body's literally screaming at you. It's like, hey, you didn't hear me. So now I have to scream at you. You've waited too long. So you have to start to be in tune with your hunger and listening for those more subtle cues that you are hungry. So that could be a headache. It could be fatigue. It could be a change in mood. You could be more irritable or hangry. You could feel cold. You could lack focus and just not be productive. You could feel a little bit of a lump in your throat or have a slight stomach ache or a pain in your stomach. It's very subtle cues. Um, your vision could be almost blurry, kind of hard, hard for you to focus your vision. You could feel lightheaded. So many different things. Um, and people experience those subtle hunger cues in different ways. So start listening f- for your body. What's normal for you before your stomach growls and try and eat then. Then principle number three is that you want to start to make peace with food. You want to stop labeling foods as good or bad, because then we take that one step further, usually to mean that we are a good or bad person. Like, oh, if I eat these foods, I'm on track, I'm good. I'm, you know, following through. But then if I have these foods, I'm failing and I'm bad. So we need to stop to start to take the morality out of food by stopping how we label foods. Even if we label foods as you know good or bad or healthy or unhealthy, they're kind of saying the same things. So we want to start to label foods differently. And this is an easy way to start to make peace with food by making foods more neutral and seeing that everything can fit, but we have things in different amounts. So maybe labeling foods as, oh, this is a frequent food, this is a less frequent food, or this is a treat meal. We're not cheating on ourselves because that would imply morality that you're cheating and that's bad, but this could be a treat meal or a play food or a fun food. Oh, another way that I label foods is I'll say, oh, this is more nutrient dense. This is calorie dense. And both of those types of foods fit in our diet because there are times where we need more nutrients and there are times we need to prioritize more calories. And these calorie dense foods can still fit in our, because sometimes we need those calorie dense foods because it's good for our well being. It's good for social connection. So that's how they can fit. Not everything that we eat needs to be for the sole purpose of just providing nutrients. Food is, it has so many other purposes. It can help us to establish connections with other people and be a bonding experience and you know, a social experience, good for our well-being. So sometimes those calorie dense foods, like we don't need to get rid of them entirely. It's you know, all foods can fit but it's in, it's in one amount. And, and why are, why are we doing it? And are we trying to find a balance? So the important thing is that we want to start to make peace with food and make all foods available and give ourselves unconditional permission to eat those foods. And you might be saying to yourself right now, if I just gave myself permission to eat, I would go crazy. Well, if you feel like you can't control yourself around a certain food, that's not the problem. The problem is the restriction. 
we always want what we can't have. It's like a bow and arrow. If you're restricting, restricting, restricting a food, pulling back, 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 eventually you're going to let go and you're going to propel yourself forward and you're going to just totally swing the other way and overindulge. So we have to let go of the restrictions. We have to give ourselves unconditional permission to eat because that normalizes the food. And if it's just around all the time, it loses its allure eventually. So just know, like I said in the beginning, you might experience some binges when you're exploring intuitive eating and finally letting go of the reins, but that's okay because you will start to find a balance for you and meet in the middle. And there is a little bit of freedom that, that comes when we let go of the restriction, but just know any binges that happen are not because you're giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. It's a secondary effect to the restriction. So it's the restriction and letting go of those that has allowed you to binge and kind of overdo it. Not the unconditional permission to eat. Cause eventually if you give yourself unconditional permission to eat, it, it loses its allure. Cause it's like, why do you need pizza now? And why do you have to finish this now when you can have it tomorrow? Right. It's like, oh, you won't feel the need to always finish your plate or, or, or always order another drink or always get dessert because you could have dessert at any time. A lot of people will overdo it, especially on like the weekends, for example, because they don't know when they're going to allow themselves to have it again. But if it's like, well, I can have it tomorrow. It's like, oh, I don't really need it now. I don't really want it now. I'm full. So you can really start to be in tune with your cues. And this is probably one of the harder intuitive eating principles to, to wrap your arms around, but it's so, so important. And you'll start to see with time that when you let go of the restriction and give yourself the unconditional permission to eat, eventually the food has less control over you and it just becomes more neutral and you don't feel a need to overdo it because you realize you can just have it at any time. The next intuitive eating principle, number four, is that you want to challenge the food police. So a lot of us have food rules and we're monitoring our eating and we tell ourselves, oh, this is too much or, oh, you got to keep, you know, you got to reach this many grams of protein or you can't eat after 8 p.m. Or if you're hungry, you have to drink water first. Like we have these food rules and we got to let those go. And you have to start to be aware of what those rules are and ask yourself, where did this rule stem from? Is this society? Is this something I just heard on TikTok? Where did this stem from? And is this serving me? Why am I holding this rule? And is this even true? You can eat after 8 p.m. I'm giving y'all permission. It, it, it's going to be okay. <laughs> rule number five is that you want to respect your fullness. Just as we want to honor our hunger and eat when we are first hungry, we want to respect our fullness as well. It's very, very difficult to respect your fullness when you have not honored your hunger. So if you're getting to your next meal and you're completely ravenous, you're just eating as fast as possible and your body can't catch up. It takes about 20 minutes for your body to realize and send you signals that you're full and give you signals to slow down. So if you're eating so quickly and you finish in less than 20 minutes, it's like your body hasn't even given you a chance to catch up and then you're going to be overstuffed and uncomfortable. And we all know that feeling of fullness. I always feel this way after hibachi. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love hibachi, but I just find it's very hard for me to respect my fullness cues when I go get hibachi. So I don't do it very often. And I always see it as a learning experience for myself. But 
um, it's very hard to respect your fullness when you haven't respected your hunger. This is why I always recommend people on Thanksgiving to have breakfast on Thanksgiving. Don't wait until your Thanksgiving dinner to be your first meal of the day, because you actually don't end up eating as much as you want to. And you feel like a stuffed potato, you feel like a stuffed turkey <laughs> and it's just too much. Whereas if you eat a little breakfast, you're not ruining the meal for yourself. You're actually going to be able to savor your food and you're going to be able to enjoy the meal and respect your fullness even more versus showing up totally ravenous and just focusing on how hungry you are. So you want to respect your fullness as well. And a great way to start to do this is to put your fork down in between bites and give yourself time to pause, be present with the people that you're with, make conversation, stop to have a drink of water or something when you're eating, slow down. We need to make the experiences of eating more sacred and we want to make them slower. If you're just shoveling a protein bar in, in between calls or going from one patient appointment to the next or running from thing to thing, it's going to be very hard for you to listen to your body's cues and it's not going to be a positive eating experience. And you're also not going to digest well from eating in such a stressed, rushed state. So you want to respect your fullness and it's easier to do that when you slow down while you're eating, calm yourself down and be present in that moment. The next intuitive eating principle, number six, is you want to discover the satisfaction factor. Food can be enjoyable. I can't even tell you how many clients have said to me that they miss food being enjoyable. And some of them don't even know what that's really like. They've never felt satisfied with food. And they've always seen it as like, oh, I have to eat this on my diet, or I can't really eat how I want to eat. And food and mealtimes aren't satisfying. So we want to make eating experiences fun again. So you want to slow down. You want to be present with your food and ask yourself questions while you're eating. Like, how does this taste? How does this smell? Like, am I enjoying this? What do I like about it? What am I tasting right now? Really enjoy those moments and be present and just slow down while, while you're eating. I think it really stems from slowing down and being present in that moment and trying not to eat with as many distractions. And you might not get to the point yet where you're eating in, you know, complete silence with yourself. If you're not eating with other people and you might still feel the need to, you know, watch TV or something like that. Um, but maybe you could work it back and just start with not watching something, but just listening to something or putting headphones in or um, not watching a show, but listening to a podcast or something like that um, and trying to just take a step back versus going cold turkey. But you want to be as present with your food while you're eating as possible, and it will make it a more satisfying experience and easier for you to listen in for your, your fullness cues. And you also want to enjoy the food that you're eating. So if you're just having like chicken and rice all the time, or you're meal prepping the same thing, or always have the same recipe for overnight oats, and, like if, and if that gets boring, your food's not satisfying. And it's just so hard for you to intuitively eat. And that can feel restrictive in a sense when you don't have enough variety. So you want to make sure that you have foods that you're excited to eat and that everything sounds satisfying to you. Um, so that's where I would say to start as far as discovering the satisfaction factor is find recipes that you actually enjoy eating and then slowing down when you eat and being in tune with how does this taste? How satisfying is this food? And what do I like about it? Be present with eating. And it will be easier for you to decide when you've had enough to eat.
Principle number seven is that you want to honor your feelings with kindness. So there's going to be times where we feel anxiousness, loneliness, boredom, anger, stress, and a lot of us turn to food to cope in those moments. So we want to instead work to how can we deal with those emotions outside of food and treat our bodies with kindness. And, you know, this might take more close counseling or coaching when it comes to food or intuitive eating. It also might take, you know, working with a therapist. So, you know, just know that this stuff takes time getting to the root of it. Why are we coping with emotions through food? And I think the first step in honoring our feelings and coping with kindness stems from first naming what that emotion is. You have to know what are you feeling? Are you feeling anxiousness? Are you feeling bored? Are you feeling stressed? What is that? And then, you know, at least what I do is I help clients figure out, okay, in the moment, what are some things that we can do to cope with that emotion that's outside of food, but then also how can we change your lifestyle a little bit of what changes can we make to mitigate that feeling from happening so often? So if you're coping with your stress from work through food, when you're feeling stressed from work, we need some strategies for you that will help you in the moment when you're feeling stressed. But then we also need to address the root cause, the stress coming from work. What can we do there? And that's something I work on very closely with my clients. And sometimes I refer out to a therapist. A lot of our clients are already working with a therapist, which is great because our, our programs work really great in conjunction with clients that are also in therapy because sometimes we're working on these deeper things and some things will, will come up during coaching calls that just need more, more close counseling. So as we get deeper into the root of it, if you are someone who copes with your emotions through food, this is something to to pay attention to. First, naming that emotion. What is it you're feeling? And what is something else you could do instead? What would actually work for you to cope with your emotions outside of food? It might be a bubble bath. But you also might be thinking like, okay, when I'm feeling stressed, a bubble bath isn't going to work for me. Or I normally feel stressed at night. It doesn't make sense for me to go for a walk outside. That's not safe. It's dark out. So like what would actually work for you? And then with that feeling, what can you do to mitigate that from happening again in, in the future? How can we start to decrease your stress, decrease your loneliness, decrease your boredom, decrease your anxiety? right? What are some other things that we can do to mitigate that from happening as often or as severely? The next intuitive eating principle is respecting your body. We've talked about this before. You want to treat your body with kindness. You don't want to be showing up for a healthy lifestyle with the sole purpose of making your body smaller or changing yourself. You want to honor your body for where it is right now and honor who you are. Diet culture and this diet mentality wants you to be striving for unrealistic body standards. It wants you to be overly critical about your body shape and size. So we need to let go of those things. Respecting your body starts from rejecting the diet mentality and starting to approach healthy habits with a different why, not for the sole purpose of losing weight and making ourselves smaller, but approaching, I just want to be healthy. I want to feel more energized. I want to get stronger. I want to honor and nourish myself and approaching your healthy habits through that lens will help you to continuously respect yourself. The next intuitive eating principle is to exercise and feel the difference. So this is what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, where we don't want to exercise for the sole purpose of making our body smaller 
burning off calories or making room for calories that we're going to have later. Showing up for exercise should never be a punishment, should never be a chore, should never be an obligation. Instead, you want to shift your focus from calorie burning to something else. Focus on how working out makes you feel. Does it make you feel energized? Does it make you feel confident? Does it make you feel boss? Does it make you feel empowered? Does it make you feel strong? What is that? And focus on that. And maybe it's getting away from such militant exercise or HIIT workouts all the time or hour-long workouts, but doing something that feels fun, moving your body in a way that feels good. That might be a walk. That might be strutting on the treadmill. That might be yoga or Pilates or dancing in your room. I just got a trampoline. I love jumping on my trampoline and I love going to dance classes. So what is it for you? How can you make exercise more fun? And how could we shift ourselves from using the word exercise to movement? just moving your body in a way that feels good versus just exercising or just moving your body for the sole purpose of making your body smaller or burning calories. And then the last intuitive eating principle is that you want to honor your health and you want to do this through gentle nutrition. We want to be gentle with ourselves. We don't need to do any harsh, super restrictive diets or anything like that. And this is something that I focus on a lot with the clients that I work with is how in the context of your life and your dieting history, how can we get you to start honoring your health? And how can we do this through one thing at a time, doing something for your health when you previously might've been in an all or nothing or trying to get away from an all or nothing mentality or um, diet mentality that is super restrictive. So where can you start? Here's all the 10 principles. The first thing that I want you to do is go through and acknowledge yourself. What are you doing? Well, I just need 10 different ways that you can heal your relationship with food. And I know, I know with hundred percent certainty that you are doing something or multiple things right already. So what is that for you? What are you already doing? Well, call yourself out with the wind. And this might be challenging because we think, Oh, I have a long way to go to improve my relationship with food. We all do. We all do. There's always an opportunity to better ourselves and our health and heal our relationship with food even more, but you're already on your journey. You're already on your way. So what are you doing right? Call that out. And then think about one principle that you think you might want to start with. Which one stuck out to you the most? Obviously, ideally, we want to be working on all of these things, but what is the one for you where you're like, yep, that's that's where I want to start. You'll be more effective in healing a relationship with food if you're starting from a place of, of motivation which one do you feel more inclined and more motivated to make a difference in? And then if you're not really sure where to start, I think the first one is really rejecting the diet mentality. Go back and listen to our keto episode and see the research on why dieting doesn't work. (laughs) I I give a lot of testimony from, uh, you know, different followers in there and talk about a few research studies about why dieting doesn't work and specifically the keto diet. So we want to start rejecting the diet mentality. Then I think a great place to start is to get in tune with your biological hunger cues, whether that's your hunger cues or your fullness cues. The next place is I think it's good to start catching yourself with how you label food. We don't want to label food as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, but can you catch yourself and be like, oh, I just said this food is good. How can I label it differently? Is this a frequent food, less frequent food? Is it nutrient dense? Is it calorie dense? Is it a treat meal? Is it a play food? How can we label it differently? Next place to start, or another place to start, is that you want to remove all restrictions. You want to give yourself unconditional permission to eat. Another thing that you might want to do to get started is lead with kindness. Be gentle with yourself. 
nothing from your health should be done through force or obligation or punishment. Things should feel good. Things should feel fun because what's fun is sustainable. And then another place, another easy place to start is just to slow down when you're eating, pause during a meal, really savor what you're eating, chew your food, put your fork down in between bites, try not to be distracted while you're eating and focus on what you're eating and how that tastes. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you think about it and let me know um, what other questions you have when it comes to nutrition, other episodes that you want to hear, other topics that you want me to dive into. I will be talking with people about the podcast, mostly in our Be About Being Better Facebook group community. So head to the show notes and check that out. That's where we host some free accountability challenges, but also we'll be getting the most feedback from y'all about the podcast. So definitely join our Be Back Being Better community there. And if you need personalized support with this, definitely go ahead in the show notes, take our quiz and see which one of our health coaching programs can be for you. Thanks y'all for tuning in and I will see you in the next episode. Hey y'all, thanks again for listening to the Be About Being Better podcast. I so appreciate you. If this episode made you laugh, smile, think about yourself or your life differently, in any way making your life better, I empower you to share the show with three people who, just like you, need to hear this message and have this type of transformation in their lives. I personally read all the reviews of the show and see the Instagram story shares and it honestly gives me so much joy to see that our mission is making people's lives better and the reviews really do help in increasing our impact. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. If you need personalized support with anything discussed in today's episode or need help creating a sustainable diet-free lifestyle, take my quiz. It's linked below in the show notes and that quiz will help you see which one of our coaching programs is right for you. Thank you so much again for listening and here's to being about being better.